This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Top 500 highlights from a virtual SC20. NVIDIA, AMD, grab early headlines. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to this special episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership by HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Tiffany Trader. And normally, Tiffany, This Week in HPC, we might be in the same place doing a special episode of This Week in HPC for the Supercomputing Conference, but SC20 is virtual this year, and that means the Top 500 is virtual. We're going to do the best we can to still cover the show for all of our listeners, and the new Top 500 list is out with a couple of changes in the Top 10. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple notable ones right off the bat. There, the, at the very top, we, we still have Fugaku, Japan's Fugaku system at the top, but now it's in its full imp- implementation, and that brings its Limpack score to four, 442 petaflops. That's up from its debut listing six months ago, which was 415 petaflops, and that's thanks to the addition of uh, 6,912 more nodes, again, bringing it to its full implementation uh, with the 48-core A64FX CPU. And uh, it's so it's notched the, the number one. It's also looking like it will sweep some of the, the other categories or it has swept some of the other categories to the AI Mixed Precision one and the HPCG ranking. Uh, it's maintaining um, experience. I think it will maintain its significant lead on the, we don't have the graph 500 as of this recording, but I wouldn't be surprised if it will come out on top there. And it, it also did very well, once again, coming out in the top segment of the green 500 list, uh, holding on to its number 10 spot there. And then we saw this, another... Um, this this Fugaku okay. supercomputer is just such an achievement. I, we talked about it when it debuted on the list, and it's been upgraded, of course, a little more since there. The the uh, It's the A64FX ARM processors from Fujitsu, as well as the system from Fujitsu with the Tofu Interconnect at the Riken Center for Computational Science in Japan. Now upgraded, as you said, to 442 double precision petaflops uh, as we sit just before the exascale era and more words on exascale uh, later on here. But uh, at 442 petaflops, I would conjecture that this really is the true number one system in the world. We've talked in previous episodes with previous top 500 lists about whether there were other secret systems, particularly in China, uh, that were up ahead of Summit and might have been previously the the unofficial, uh, unrecorded number one. But regardless of those, I think we've got a clear number one here with uh, the Riken system, uh, Fugaku. Just a, a wonderful system. Now, you were about to start talking about some of the other systems in the top 10. Yeah, no, that, that was a great point. Uh, and then go, <clears throat> coming in at number second, we still have Summit, we still have Sierra, the U.S. systems, and then Sunway Taihu Light, the Wuji system is still at number four. But up two spots into the number five, five position is the NVIDIA's in-house system, the Selene system. And they've expanded that system to 63.5 petaflops, up from 27.6 petaflops. So it's a little bit more than a doubling. So now they're in at number five. 
Yeah, a couple interesting things about this one. First of all, that NVIDIA keeps backing off of double precision in terms of a metric, and it's so focused on AI that it's talking about this being exascale, and in fact, upgraded to two exaflops of AI performance. And this is the sort of thing where I, I used to know what a flop was, and now there are so many different calculations for mixed precision that that becomes a much fuzzier metric. And I don't mean to diminish that as an achievement. Certainly, there are are AI applications that will make use of that kind of scale. But for the traditional supercomputing top 500 ranking that we're looking at here, that's going to be double precision, and that puts it in at number five. It's also interesting that this is still an internal system, uh, internal to NVIDIA. Does that count as a commercial system? It's not an academic system. It's not a, a national lab system. I would still tend to think that the top commercial system, as in one that's been bought, is, is the HPC system uh, at any that's the Dell EMC system in Italy that's still on the list at number eight back to you also new in the top 10 cohort this list are the Jules booster module system that's at ULIC that's in at number seven and then we have the Damam 7 system that's coming from Saudi Aramco and Saudi Arabia that's coming in at number 10 Right. So a couple of new systems here. The Jewel system, that's a bull sequana. That's a big win for AMD Epic moving up into uh, the number seven position there. And we're going to talk about AMD versus Intel versus NVIDIA in some of these top systems here. Intel is still in the Tianhe 2A, which is the number six system. And then the other one that didn't get mentioned, of course, Frontera, uh, the system at TAC at the University of Texas, the large Dell Xeon Platinum system is still in at uh, number nine. Now, I was mentioning Intel versus AMD, and the interesting thing to me there is that neither Intel nor AMD is in any of the top four systems. That's Fugaku, which is, of course, an ARM system. Summit and Sierra are IBM power systems that you know, aren't new systems, but they've been up near the top of the list for a couple of lists now. And the Sunway Taihu Lite, which is the Sunway uh, processors. AMD does now move into the top five of the top 500 list because that's part of Selene. As much as that's an NVIDIA system and we're focused on the NVIDIA GPUs, the CPUs there are AMD Epic CPUs. So that puts AMD Epic into the top five. Then the largest system with Intel processors in it is the Tianhe 2A, which is no longer in the top five. That's at number six. The Jewel system, that's the new system, is AMD Epic, so that's number seven. And then you get into newer Intel-based systems at numbers eight, nine, and ten. That's where Intel has put some new systems up on the list. Mm -hmm. And speaking of AMD Epic, and specifically AMD Rome, uh, AMD has increased its system count up to, as of this current list, there are 22 Epic Roam systems. That's up from number nine on the list before this one. And there's also this flattening trend that we've seen in, starting on the last list in June that's been continuing with, once again, the smallest number of new entries since the project, since the top 500 began in 1993, with 44 new entries, new entries on this list. Um, in addition to the two we mentioned earlier, the Jules Booster Module and Daman, the Saudi Arabia, uh, Daman 7, the Saudi Arabia system, it, looking into the top 50 segment, there's uh, also six more systems there. There's Hawk at HLRS with HPE. There's Tokisora in Japan from the Japan Aerospace, 
Prince with Fujitsu at number 19, uh, Tyrannus Mateo France with Atos at 30, Plasma Simulator at uh, National Institute for Fusion Science at NEC with uh, NEC Tsubasa, number 30, 33. There's a new system uh, as, as yet unnamed at Japan's Atomic Energy Agency uh, made with HPE technology that's at 45. And then last one in the top 50 cohort is the ME Plus at HLRN with uh, ATOS number 47. Uh, and of, of that group, that, 40, that group of 44 that I was just talking about, the top 11, the top 11 highest ranked out of those are not based in the United States. The United States placed six new systems on the list. China put the most new systems on the list with 13 new systems, but the majority of those are web IT scale machines. And then Japan, notably, uh, obviously a much smaller nation that put six new systems on this list, um, very, uh, you know, all robust HPC systems representing diverse architectures, which I think is notable. So there's six new systems in Japan. There's one uh, that represent architectures, including Fujitsu with A64 FX ARM and the Tofu Interconnect, and then Fujitsu with Intel and NVIDIA chips, NEC SX Aurora, the vector engine, uh, Dell PowerEdge with AMD Epics, and then uh, an HPE SGI system with straight Intel uh, CPUs and most of the, almost all of those use InfiniBand except for the Fujitsu system with the Tofu Interconnect. Yeah, you mentioned the different uh, country breakdowns here in China still leading the way with over 200 systems. 212 systems out of the top 500 are from China. And I, I almost don't care about that anymore. That's the list stuffing going on where a lot of these are, are actually truly hyperscale systems. Uh, in fact, just a casual glance through the providers and, and the web scale systems that are identified on this, I would say at least half of the uh, 500 systems on this list are things that we as analysts would properly call hyper, hyperscale systems, part of the hyperscale market, not part of the HPC market. That dramatically inflates the position of companies like Lenovo and Inspur, each of which is a legitimate HPC system provider, but not to the magnitude that they appear on the list with these hyperscale systems. Now, we're also talking about accelerators mm -hmm. as a major trend here, and that's where NVIDIA really does continue to to dominate. We were, I was talking before about which systems are Intel versus which systems are AMD. If you go to NVIDIA, NVIDIA is still in the number two and number three systems, Summit and Sierra, uh, those IBM systems that were still built uh, to a great extent around NVIDIA technology. And then the Celine system, of course, is an NVIDIA system and an, an internal NVIDIA system that we still see uh, NVIDIA in a lot of the other systems uh, throughout the list, including uh, number six at Ulic, number eight at Eni in Italy, uh, and uh, number 10, the new Saudi Aramco system, Damam 7, uh, also has uh, NVIDIA Tesla. And when they break down the accelerators, the proportion of systems with accelerators went up by a couple, not by very much. That's not really the big news there, but they're still thoroughly dominated by uh, NVIDIA. Um, of the 148 systems using accelerators or coprocessors, 
processors. Not only are almost all of them different forms of NVIDIA, over a hundred of them are different forms of the NVIDIA Tesla V100. And I would say that none of them are AMD at all, except that there is an outlier that's actually an AMD Vega GPU accelerator that's an odd system by Shugan that's somewhere in the 300s, not a new system. But we haven't seen the new generation of AMD uh, Instinct GPUs cracking onto the top 500 yet. Right, which we're going to get it. We're going to start talking about those in, in just a moment, too. Uh, and then also, I think we can re just give a recap of the, the networking makeup of the list, which segues back to the discussion about uh, the, the, um, the hyperscale versus the you know, real HPC machine. So 156 systems on this list use InfiniBand, plus the Wuji system, which uses a semi-custom InfiniBand. Six are Tofu, 31 are Aries, and then there's a handful, just a handful of for other proprietary or custom. But 47 systems are using OmniPath, uh, including one new system with, that is made with uh, Corn Cornelis Networks networking technology. This is uh, the Omnipath um, business that got spun out uh, to, to, to this, this company, Cornelis Network. So this is the Livermore system, uh, Ruby supercomputer that uses this uh, uh, Omnipath Cornelis technology. This uh, Intel launched OPA, Omnipath architecture in 2015, but it failed to find sufficient market footing um, and Intel pulled, pulled the plug on it in uh, last year. And so this IP was was spun out in late September. I've I've heard that there that this occurred with the let's let's say the encouragement of U.S. labs that are looking to balance Nvidia's dominance. Uh, and then uh, the the Livermore Mammoth cluster that was announced recently also uses uh, Cornelis Omnipath uh, technology too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Cornelis. We haven't had a chance to really talk about them on this podcast yet, but that is interesting to watch the Omnipath spin out from Intel. And I have had a briefing with Cornelis. I'm going to be watching that company with interest for any news developing in that space, particularly as we watch the evolution of high-performance interconnects in this space. Now, SC20 is up and running. We already had a week of the uh, workshops and tutorials. Now, what we properly would think of as the con conference and expo part of the week with uh, panels and the like, the keynotes, the plenaries. This is all just starting to get going, and we're going to have more about that in another episode of This Week in HPC. But that means a lot of the vendor news is also starting to get going. And to me, the most significant early announcements coming out of the show are competing announcements from NVIDIA and AMD. And it was almost difficult between us to decide, Tiffany, which of these we should do first. We eventually landed on AMD, and here the biggest news is the release of a new GPU, the AMD Instinct MI100, where NVIDIA has been focusing a lot of its messaging on machine learning and AI. AMD staying true to its corporate core messaging of focusing on high-performance computing for Epic is sticking with that for GPUs, and AMD is billing AMD Instinct MI100 as the world's fastest high-performance computing GPU, the first data center GPU to surpass 10 teraflops on 64-bit performance. So focusing on that 64-bit double precision, this is a single GPU that hits 11.5 teraflops peak. Uh, so certainly noteworthy for the high-performance computing space. Yeah, so this is the, the MI100 Instinct GPU. As you said, it's a follow-on to the MI50 and the MI60 
it's on the seven nanometers, TSMC's seven nanometer, as were its predecessors, but AMD managed to squeeze uh, a lot more, uh, get a nice performance boost out of it with that 11.5 double precision GPU teraflops. And for reference, NVIDIA's A100 uh, has a peak of 9.7 teraflops. Uh, but it could, can get higher than that with other uh, numerical formatting uh, implementations. Some of the other uh, specs on this MI100, you mentioned the 11.5 teraflops peak. Uh, it has 120, uh, 120 compute units, 11.5 teraflops peak, 23.1 teraflops, uh, FP32 single precision peak, and then it has something called matrix peak, which is 46.1 teraflops uh, at, uh, it's FP32 matrix peak. And then there, the, there's some other, other ones down the line too. And it, it has a uh, 32 gigabytes of HBM2 memory and a memory bandwidth of 1.23 terabytes per second. And it supports uh, gen four and it's, it's built with memory, uh, the infinity fabric and it comes in a TDP of 300 watts. Right. And in all this news, what's really clear is that AMD is going directly after the HPC space that NVIDIA has dominated, like we were just talking about with these top 500 results. And that includes in the announcement, AMD benchmarks that are just going head to head against A100. They're claiming over double the performance of A100 for 32-bit floating performance matrix math, but overall for high performance computing, claiming a 60% better performance per watt uh, for uh, over the A100 SXM for a wide range of high performance computing applications. The other part of the announcement that I thought was interesting is that at the architecture level, this is the point where AMD is now dividing its architecture between what it's calling RDNA for radio, R for Radeon to be the more uh, graphics focused architecture, the DNA focused on graphics versus is compute DNA or cDNA, which is going to be the computing focused architecture for this uh, instinct line for, for MI100. And that's where you bring in this second generation Infinity architecture that upgrades the GPU to GPU communication by 40%, and also the uh, HBM2 memory that you already mentioned with the uh, uh, throughput at 1.23 terabytes a second. So looking at this cDNA architecture, would they had already signaled they were going this way, uh, but this is a new generation of cDNA architecture together with the MI, MI100 GPU. AMD has several customer wins for this MI100. They said they will start shipping this month. It is just available in the PCI form factor. They said they have no plans for a custom mezzanine form factor with this generation, but they do see a role for those going forward. Those form factors going forward, I expect that would be the case since those form factors factor into their exascale plans. Uh, and then they also said they are keeping an eye out uh, on other types of numerical formats. I know we've we've seen some uh, some various features coming coming out of Nvidia space there, but for now AMD says that they don't want to get ahead of the market there. They were a little slim on some other details that we, we like to know about, like die size and number of transistors, but maybe we'll see more details uh, in the weeks ahead. 
And finally, AMD does have OEM partners already signed up for this, uh, most notably from HPE, the Apollo 6500 Gen 10 Plus, and from Dell, the PowerEdge R7525, as well as different configurations from Supermicro and Gigabyte. Now, transitioning over to NVIDIA's news, NVIDIA had a flurry of announcements, as they usually do, and uh, that spans the GPU as well as AI platforms built on the GPU, and then, of course, uh, interconnect which we'll wrap up with let's hit the gpu and the platform first this wasn't a whole new gpu but they announced a new version of the nvidia a100 which is an nvidia a100 80 gigabyte which doubled the memory capacity for the nvidia a100 now this is available on the hgx baseboards only not in a pcie version so if you want a discrete discrete card uh, that's not this a180 gigabyte for now, but the NVIDIA A180 gigabyte version is going into what they're calling the HGX AI supercomputing platform, which is already signed up with partners across Atos, Dell, Fujitsu, Gigabyte, HPE, Inspur, Lenovo, Quanta, Supermicro. So hitting both OEMs and ODMs for this space, um, that uh, really increases the capacity of this HGX AI supercomputing platform. Platform. The A180 gigabyte version uses the HPM2E technology and delivers over two terabytes per second of memory bandwidth. As you noted, it's available in the HGX baseboards, the four and the eight GPU HGX baseboards, which also form the basis for the NVIDIA DGX A100. I mean, the, the NVIDIA DGX A100, which uses the eight G GPU HGX baseboard. It's a, it's a 400 watt TDP which is the same for the 40 and the 80. Really, the only difference here is the doubling of memory. And they did announce that several of the systems that they've already announced uh, have have this the, 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 the bolstered memory GPU, including the Cambridge One system. That's the US, uh, that is the UK life science system that we covered a few weeks ago. That's using the higher mem DGXs. Uh, and the, they, they, as you said, it's only available right now in the SXM4 version that uses the NVLink. It's not currently available in PCI, although NVIDIA seemed to indicate it may be at some point. That A140 gig PCI card is still shipping. The uh, the MIG, the multi-instance GPU capability remains, as I said, the only real difference is the doubling, but um, I think that's an important, important feature to highlight uh, that basically partitions the GPU into, into seven slices and, and provides this greater, this uh, sort of essentially a virtualization. You get more out of the, the GPU that way. And if you were, if you weren't using, if you weren't able to use the full GPU, um, now you can carve it up. Um, they're, they're also introducing the NVIDIA DGX station, which can either be powered by the, the former, the, the uh, 40 gig or this newer 80 gig version that is expected to ship this quarter. That's a, a follow on to Going back to uh, 2017, the station that was announced then, they, uh, they said that pricing will be that that will be available later this quarter, and pricing uh, will will be announced when that's available. That that form factor, it's a it's a small water cooled tower. It's got four GPUs in it uh, and one Epic CPU, and it can ostensibly sit 
under a desk. To me, when I look at this new A180 gigabyte version, what it really says to me is that it, it improves the capabilities for mixed workload environments. So if we have a traditional HPC supercomputing center that wants to focus on AI workloads, uh, this could have a significant appeal in that now you've got a little more throughput. I can do some traditional HPC workloads together with AI, but make no mistake, to me, this is still predominantly focused on AI workloads as opposed to HPC. And that includes both this HGX AI supercomputing super platform and the DGX A100, the DGX A100 station. To me, the oddest one there is the workstation. And I'm a huge fan of workstation form factors, desk side form factors. Let's bring that back in HPC, get these entry-level clusters into a workstation form factor and bring back the, the salad days of the big engineering workstation. But when it becomes something focused on AI, uh, then it loses a little bit of luster for me because to me, a lot of the AI training is a big workload that you know you almost want to burst out to a cloud supercomputer, run it once, maybe refine it. But in terms of ongoing engineering workloads, I get more out of a traditional HPC uh, system configuration than I do out of a, an overly GPU heavy uh, uh, configuration like with this DGX station. Now, when I look at NVIDIA's full range of announcements, the one that really does scream HPC to me is their other announcement, which is from the Mellanox side. NVIDIA is announcing the new NDR version of InfiniBand at 400 gigabits, and that includes a complete range of products across adapters, switches, cables, and this new data process processing unit, the DPU, all capable of 400 gig. Yeah, so definitely last but not least here, we have NVIDIA's Mellanox, Mellanox uh, 400G NDR InfiniBand, uh, informally at least this stands for Next Data Rate, that's 4x100 gig series lanes. And uh, NVIDIA Mellanox is saying that this offers, uh, let's see here, two times the data throughput, four times the MPI performance, five times the switch system capacity, at a uh, 1.6 petabit per second bidirectional with with uh, 2,048 NDR port switch system, and then 6.5x higher scalability, and then a, 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 well, a boost of AI acceleration. Let's say from their sharp their sharp in network computing. Yeah, to me, this is a very important announcement because it continues the momentum that Mellanox had built up for InfiniBand, staying generationally ahead of where Ethernet is and establishing InfiniBand as that high-performance interconnect. I think this is high enough performance that it will also continue to put heat on some of the high-end proprietary interconnects like a Slingshot from Cray or Tofu from Fujitsu, uh, uh, a uh, BXI from Atos. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where this continues to play relative to, uh, we also mentioned this Cornelis uh, reincarnating Omnipath. Uh, I think it's really important for NVIDIA to be planting this flag and saying they're going to continue this uh, this momentum with uh, Mellanox and Finibant. Yeah, highlighted partners here include Atos, Dell, Fujitsu, Inspur, Lenovo, and Supermicro. Uh, NVIDIA says solutions based on the architecture are expected to sample in the second quarter of 2021. And then, I, you know, I guess the, the next, the, the last I heard, the next generation is expected to be called XDR and maybe between 800 and uh, 1000 NG. So uh, 
but that won't, don't expect that for a bit now. Okay. And normally, Tiffany, we wrap up our podcast, talk about all the places we're going to be around the show floor. It's a little different this year. It's virtual. I am moderating a panel. Uh, it's a virtual panel, of course, but it's on the diverse approaches to HPC storage. That's on track eight. It originally airs on Tuesday and registrants for supercomputing can get access to that panel. I think this is an important topic and I'm really pleased with the range of companies that we have involved in uh, talking about what's the role of flash and how does tiering look today meanwhile another big highlight uh, from the show is often the hbc wire readers choice awards and you're not taking a pass on those this year you're still doing them is that right yeah that's right so we're really really excited to uh, announce our readers and editors choice awards this year we're actually doing a lot with them given it's virtual uh, we have some special video packages that we've created and a special focus on highlighting and recognizing the amazing COVID-19 research that's been done this year. Uh, we're having a special party. Uh, everyone is welcome. It's Wednesday night at 5 p.m. You can check out our site for, for information on that. Uh, and then you can check out our website, uh, the, the, the reader's landing page. I'm sure it will be uh, clear when you come to the website. You'll see that and you'll see a list of many interviews that we've done with our winners, so can, which we congratulate all of them. I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I will be there. And for our listeners who typically look for us to do a big market update presentation at Supercomputing, we haven't let you down. We did it prior to Supercomputing as a webinar. And if you miss the actual event, you can catch the recording and the slides on our website at intersect360.com. I'll continue to cover the show in all of the social media channels. Keep watching for all of us on Twitter uh, during the event. All right, Tiffany, what do you say? Let's have a virtual SC20. Let's go. All right. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Tiffany. Listeners can get details on all of these stories through our partner, HPC Wire. Tiffany, thanks for helping me kick off the show as usual. Thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.